You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Our scripture today is going to be in Daniel chapter 4, and we're going to start on uh, verse 28. For those of you that don't have Bibles, the uh, Pew Bibles are available, and it can be found on page 741. At this time, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. He was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with dew of heaven till his hair grew long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws." At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. You guys can have a seat. Morning. Good to see everybody. This has been a crazy week, crazy two weeks. So thank you so much for praying for our family. Uh, I definitely, like I said in the e-letter that I sent out, if you get that, um, your prayers were experienced and seen. Last time I preached was Easter Sunday. I had mentioned in my, my sermon that death and suffering, disease, all have a shelf life. In, as I was commenting on that, I mentioned, they said, you know, my mother, you know, two months ago had back surgery and then was fighting uh, bacterial infection. And uh, I thought, well, you know, they'll... they'll be able to figure it out. They'll they'll take care of it. My mom would hate. She's she doesn't know I'm doing this. She would hate that. I'll be, and then I'm showing you a picture of her. But uh, it's obvious who my mom is, right? That's my mom. She's 63 years old. That's my stepfather Ed. And you know who these people are. Um, this is before Zeldon came to live with us. This was in Florida. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I thought, okay, we'll just monitor things. And then Tuesday, I walked into. The office, the staff were, were talking, and uh, I got a phone call from my aunt. She was, she was upset. She was crying. She said, your mother is unresponsive. Her kidneys are failing. And uh, so that just kind of rocked my world. I told the staff, I said, you need to pray right now for my mom. And, uh, and she was definitely she was unresponsive. I don't know if that meant she was in a coma or what, but I told Roy Ma... I texted her because Roy Ma works early in the morning, and she texted me back, you need to go. So I got on the very next flight, uh, and I was in uh, Fort Myers by Wednesday evening, and Punta Gorda is where they live, um, is, is where I stayed. And, uh, and so all of this happening around just, you know, Daniel chapter 4 is in my brain. I was thinking about what is it, you know, Daniel 4 talks about the, the, the sovereignty of God over King Nebuchadnezzar. And that's in my brain. And then just thrust it into this whole, this whole uh, 
experience that just was a, was a nightmare. In fact, that's the phrase that we use. It feels like we're in a nightmare, uh, literally. Uh, I just want to kind of walk through the timeline a little bit, and I'm going to tie in Daniel chapter 4 uh, with, with the message. And just how, I just want you to, I mean, we'll talk about Daniel 4 again next week, but I just, I, I want you to, I want to try to help you through something I was working through in a way to maybe serve you and also serve my heart as well. Um, so April 5th, my mom's kidneys shut down. And we think maybe because of the antibiotics that she was on, we don't, we don't know. Her kidneys were, were shutting down. By April 6th, she was completely unresponsive. I got on the very uh, first flight I could on April 7th to, to Fort Myers. Um, and uh, just so you know, my mom's not, I mean, she's young. She's 63 years old. Uh, the bacterial infection was not only in her, her vertebrae, potentially it spread into her spinal fluid and maybe even into her brain that could have caused the stroke. And, uh, and it felt like a nightmare. Um, I knew in going to Florida, there was, I wasn't going to change anything about what was happening to my mom. It wasn't like I was able to go meet with the doctors and say, get with the program, you know, you need to get on top of this. That was my stepfather's responsibility. Uh, I didn't want to interfere with that, but I knew I, I just wanted to be present. So, so most of you know, my dad died at the age of 47. I thought, I, I told my stepfather this. I said, one of the reasons why I'm here, Ed, is because, um, his name's Ed, is my dad invited me to go fishing with him. And because of stuff that he was doing, I, I decided not to, figured I had time, and then he was dead. I wasn't going to make the same mistake. And so I feel like I need to be here and I, to do what I do know how to do, and that is pray, and to be whatever encouragement I can to be to you. And um, so... By, uh, by April 9th, we had discovered that she suffered a stroke. So she went from kidney failure on top of this bacterial infection, and now a stroke. And uh, my stepdad visited with her. The way we, we set up our, our, the time is I wanted him to be the first to visit with her, and then I would go afterwards. And so he would, so our fir the first day I was there on Thursday morning, we went together. I read. Uh, I w every visit I would read scripture over my mother and then I would pray. And so that morning I read First uh, Peter chapter 1, that we have an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. I read that over her and I, through tears, just seeing your mom unresponsive is a hard thing to see, and, uh, and just prayed over her and then left and decided to go back to the hospital later that afternoon. And I, um, I read her, I read over her Isaiah 40, which I'll talk about in a minute. And uh, and so on Thursday, no, on, on Friday, my stepfather visited with my mom, came, came back to the house, and he said, "The good news is that they're going to put your mother on dialysis." She was five days with kidney failure without dialysis, uh, so that that's a problem. And and he said, and the bad news is that your mother had a stroke. And we both just cried. Uh, I went back to the hospital. I went to the hospital after he, after I sat with him for some time and uh, arrived. And they were preparing my mother for dialysis. I wasn't able to go in right away to, to visit with her, but the nurse said, I will get you as soon as, as soon as they're finished preparing her for dialysis, and you can visit with her for a few minutes before they start dialysis, but you can't be there while they do that. And uh, so I, again, just praying, Lord, will, can you turn this around? I know you can turn it around. Will you turn it around? You are sovereign. You're in control. You govern the universe. This is not beyond your ability. And, uh, and so the nurse came and got me, and... And she came and got me, and her name's Christine. I believe her name's Christine. She, 
she said, okay, your mom's ready. And I said, Christina, I'm, you know, I'm my mother's oldest son. I'm also a pastor. And she said, well, praise the Lord. That's what she, she said. She was a believer, which was awesome. And uh, she, said, she said, Keith, I, uh, you know, when we told your stepfather about, his, about your mom's stroke, he, he lost it, understandably. I didn't feel like I could tell him this. But I believe I can tell you this. Your mother is in very, very critical condition. And I don't know how this is going to go. And I said, well, and I wasn't surprised by that, but you don't want to hear that, right? So I went into a room, and um, I read Isaiah chapter 40 uh, over, over her, and prayed, and then, I, and then I went outside of the hospital to pray more. Prayer request, you guys were already praying, uh, but a prayer request went to all the pastors within our network of churches, which is like 100 and, I, I don't know how many, it was like 150 or 200 churches, and then uh, people started praying, you know, for her, and as well as I was doing the same thing. Now, to be honest with you, I, um, my sermon preparation uh, ha occurred on airplanes, in airport terminals, between tears, while crying, after tears, while sitting, while pacing, because that's what I do when, I'm, when I'm, I'm stressed or at the gym. Like, that's my sermon preparation. So, uh, it, it, and then I, I, so I had a bunch of notes, you know, that I put on my iPad, and then I sat down, I got up at 5 o'clock yesterday morning, and I sat down and started writing out my sermon and didn't finish until 3 p.m. So um, there was a manuscript here, and, and there was a lot, but this, this, just think of this sermon as me, I was just trying to, was wrestling with the sovereignty of, good, of God and what that means for, for me and what that means for you. So, so what I want to do is just show you a statement that I think is the point of Nebuchadnezzar's epiphany. So I'll talk more about Nebuchadnezzar next week. Uh, I'll talk more about the entire chapter next week. Uh, there's a lot here, but this is just me wrestling with the fact that my mom seemed like she was going to die. In fact, I, call, I talked to my wife. I called her, and I said, I don't think mom is going to live. And Roy Ma said, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to lose your mom. I said, neither am I. God is eternally, this is the Baptist in me, right? Paternally and benevolently sovereign. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. God is eternally sovereign. Nebuchadnezzar uh, did something insane. <laughs> we have a tendency to do this as, as Americans. He was on top of his rooftop, and what did he say? He said, look what I've built. I did this. Now, what you need to know, and I'll talk more about it next week, but what you need to know, just for context, is that at 12 months before this happened in Nebuchadnezzar's life, he was warned. He had a dream, and God used Daniel to, to warn him that if you don't repent, if you don't exercise mercy, if you, don't, if you do not change your ways, what you dreamt about is going to become your reality. And so, so he didn't repent. And so he was on his rooftop, and he said, look what I did. I did all this. It's all my... It's, uh, it's my ingenuity, it's my, my ability, my power, blah, 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 blah. And God said, you want to act like an, ins an insane person? Um, to choose my words carefully, if, you, if, if that's what you want to do, I, you are going to act like an animal. Like you, will, you will be insane for seven years. And uh, that's what happened. And then we're told that his reason returned to him, uh, and, and he blessed the Most High. Now, Most High is used six times in this chapter. And what it means is God is not only God in heaven, but he is sovereign over the earth, the Most High. He said, I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. And so in, the, that in verse 34, he goes on to say, his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures for, for, from, from generation to generation. And what we see in that statement, which is biblically true, is that God is eternally sovereign. And that is good news for you and for me. He is eternally sovereign. Uh, when I read Isaiah chapter 40 to my mother, I've been a pastor long enough to know 
that you just don't know if they can hear you. And uh, I do believe with all my heart the Word of God is living and active. It is organic. It is the Word of God. And so I stood over her bed and through, with tears I read Isaiah chapter 40. Now I don't know if that was more for her or more for me. But one of the verses that I, that I read is verses 15 and verses 16, or two of the verses that are in that passage. And I, wanna, I want us to read this together. You ready? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compare with him? I, I was able to get to the Gospel Coalition Conference, which I'll talk about how I got there in a minute, well, in a few minutes, uh, David Platt was the last keynote speaker. It was exactly what I needed to hear. He used an illustration when he commented on Isaiah chapter 40. He put a bucket on top of his table, and he had a dropper. And uh, he said, okay, so I'm going to share that. I wanted to do that. I just didn't have time to do it. I thought I, 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 I'll copy David Platt because that's scholarship is, is citing your references. Plagiarism is not. That's the only difference when it comes to, you know, writing stuff. So, so he has his bucket, and he has a dropper. He takes the dropper out, and he holds his hand out. And it was powerful, the illustration. And he takes the dropper, and he said, wait for it, wait for it. And a drop came out of the dropper onto his hand. He held up his hand. He said, the nations, <laughs> the drop in, uh, in the hand of God, the nations. And so I don't know, when I read that passage in my mom's room, I really think it was God's way of reminding me he's got this. Like, this is not out of his control. He is sovereign. He's not just sovereign, he's eternally sovereign. What does that mean? That means he had no beginning, he will have no end. And he's sovereign. He's sovereign. And what can you compare him to? Nothing. Nothing. So Nebuchadnezzar gives a little summary statement at the beginning of chapter 4 before he talked about how crazy he went or how crazy he was to think that it was his, his power and might that resulted in his empire. How great are his signs and mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures from generation to generation. God is eternal. He's eternal, and he's sovereign, and that is good news. That is good news. You know, like when, when my mom, when, when her kidneys shut down and, her, and she became unresponsive, God was not in heaven thinking or saying to himself, well, I didn't plan for that. Like, I didn't see that coming. You know, and so when you're there and you're watching somebody you love, you know, quite literally dying, and you're unable to do anything to change the outcome, who are you going to turn to? A God who is eternally sovereign. What that means is that he does not need to improve upon himself. I'll get to that in a minute. He is paternally sovereign. I did, I did Google that, by the way. It is an adjective. I thought, did I make that up? No. I know paternal means fatherly but, or parental, but he is paternally sovereign. That's who he is. If he is. If he is no beginning and he had no end, and if he is who he claims to be in the Word of God, he has got to be paternal. He is, he is, a, he is our Heavenly Father, and that is good news. All the nations of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And that's a good thing. Now, when you read Daniel chapter 4, it is so easy to, to just focus on Nebuchadnezzar. But don't forget Daniel. By the time Daniel chapter 4 pops up, Daniel is somewhere between the ages of 40 and 50 years old. He'd been in Babylon for at least 30 years. So I thought to myself, well, what was that like? And I contrasted Nebuchadnezzar with Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of the most powerful empire while Daniel remained a slave. Nebuchadnezzar lived in a palace surrounded by a harem 
while Daniel remained single, castrated, and alone. Nebuchadnezzar owned the known world while Daniel was an alien with no family and no hope of descendants to carry on his family legacy. Daniel had lost everything after he was carried off forcibly to Babylon while Nebuchadnezzar gained the world. And then you have Daniel chapter 4. So it would be it would be understandable if you met Daniel and in Daniel's response to everything that he had experienced to be one of bitterness and anger. Why did God do this to me? You know, I, I've worshipped him. I, in fact, I work for him. I'm a prophet. Like, why me? Right? But Daniel's holding on to the truths of what we see in Daniel chapter 4, that God is eternally sovereign that he's paternally sovereign. Daniel knew that even though he may have not understood exactly what his place was in all this, he understood that God at some point, whether in this lifetime or in eternity, Daniel would see how God was turning this around into something beautiful and something amazing. For some who hear these words about God, he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done is bad news for some. For many people, it's bad. it just sounds bad. But it was good news for Daniel. If he is eternally sovereign, God must be paternally sovereign. So we looked at, and on Easter Sunday, we looked at Daniel chapter 7. What was God doing? What was God doing in Daniel's life? What was he doing in Nebuchadnezzar's life? What is he doing in your life? What is he doing in my life? What is he doing in my mother's life? He is moving all of history, all of time, to a point where the king will come, and he will make all that is wrong with this world new. He will balance the scales. No more mass shootings. There's a mass shooting in Indianapolis shortly after we left Indianapolis. One of the, one of the guys, uh, Scott, uh, who comes to our church here, and they were in the first service, uh, Scott's cousin took us on a tour in Indiana, Indianapolis. Scott's cousin works for FedEx. I mean, he, he wasn't there when the shooting happened. But the king is coming. In Daniel chapter 12, which we'll get to obviously at the end of the sermon series, there's a judgment coming. There's a judgment and a resurrection coming. There's a resurrection coming for God's people where they will shine like the stars of heaven, and then there's a judgment for those who have rejected uh, the, the king, that is Jesus, and, and they will rise to everlasting shame and contempt. That's Daniel chapter 12. And according to Daniel chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, it is God who changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom and to the wise and, and knowledge to those, to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. That's who God is. It is good news that that is who God is. We are assured of God repeatedly through the scriptures that he's able to move people, time, and history to accomplish his purpose, purposes for his glory and our good. We see that at the cross. God took the most vilest, ugliest event in human history where man slaughtered the Son of God. There's nobody's innocent, but there was one person who's innocent, and that was Jesus, the perfect human being, and we killed him. And he used that that was so ugly, and he turned it around into something beautiful. And the reason why you're here today is because God is in the business of taking what is ugly and what is evil and what is bad and redeeming it. Isaiah 45, verse 7. Here's one. <laughs> Let's read this together so that you can be bothered. Ready? Uh, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and what? Create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. He creates calamity. Why? It doesn't say he creates evil. He uses even the things that seem horrible to accomplish Good. 
I mean, standing over my mom's bed, watching my mom helplessly felt like calamity to me. You know, the first time that I saw my dad after his death was in the, mor- it was in the funeral home in a casket. I still remember placing my hand on his cold body. That's calamity. But God in that is turning it around, turning, turning it around for, for my good and his glory. And I was, uh, so I would, uh, while in Fort Myers, well, in Punta Gorda, there is a YMCA. I always go to that YMCA when I'm visiting with my mom and my stepfather to, to work out, to get a, to exercise. And like I said, that's the way I manage my heart palpitations that I, that I deal with when I'm under stress. And, and so I was there. And uh, you ever meet somebody, you just immediately know, that person's cool. Like, I want to hang out with that person. I met one of those guys, Joe. Joe is 77 years old, served two tours in Vietnam, dabbled in seminary, and, and, and studied other religions. I, I, so how do, how do I know this about Joe? Well, I was work, as I was working out, I was doing my circuit, and I wiped down the equipment. I did not wear a shirt that said, hello, I'm a pastor, talk to me. I, 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 in fact, I was wearing my Tough Mudder shirt. And so Joe knew nothing about me. So he came up and, uh, and he said, hey, you know, I just want to thank you for wiping down the equipment. Like most of the people in here, they don't wipe down the equipment. And then the other people that are here, they're so, so afraid of dying. They're here wearing, I mean, Joe, two tours in, in Vietnam, he has the right to be as blunt as he ever, as he wants to be, right? So he's just venting. <laughs> and, uh, and he says, yeah, you know, people are here and they're just, yeah, anyway, so... Then he, then he said, he said, you know, I, st- I went to seminary, and, um, you know, the thing I don't get, still didn't know I was a pastor. He said, the thing I don't get is that uh, Christians who think that they're exempt from suffering, like that's, he, he talked about one of the hurricanes that came through Pensacola, and he said, my neighbor, who's a godly person, their house was leveled. The fundamentalist down the street, their house was standing tall, and he said, well, God spared us, you know, and with the assumption that everybody else did something wrong. So, so uh, Joe said this. He said, you know, God's not doing this to us. We're doing this to us. And I just got to believe, this is what he said to me, I just got to believe he's out there in the distance, distance somewhere. He's just left us to our mess to make a mess of our mess. And I said, you know, Joe, I, I, I come at it from a different vantage point, completely the opposite vantage, vantage point. See, I'm a pastor. And he said, oh, I won't curse anymore. I'm like, it's okay. You're not going to, I'm not going to, like, you're not hurting my virgin ears. Like, I, it's, it's fine. Um, I said, and I'm here because my mom is in ICU, and I'm not sure how it's going to turn out for her. And... Um, and not only that, my son has a debilitating disease. And my wife, she's had two major hip surgeries and has lived with chronic debilitating pain. God's people are not exempt from suffering. He's like, yeah, that's right. And I said, you know something? He's like, what? It is arrogant. It is an arrogant thing to judge God's goodness by our own standard of good. It's like, whoa, I never thought of that before. And it was one of those moments where I, th- I wonder if I was, like, God just wanted me to say that so I'd hear myself say that. If he is infinitely good, he doesn't need to improve upon being good. We do. And uh, the rest of the week, I looked for Joe. I was hoping I could see Joe and hang out with him. I, w- I would love to just hang out with him. Um, God is good. If God is sovereign... If he is eternal, if he is paternal, then he is an inexhaustibly good. Let that settle in your heart. He is inexhaustibly good. 
If you're wondering how God could turn something that's ugly into something so beautiful, like I said, I mentioned the cross, but Romans chapter 8 is the outcome of something that was so horrible, so ugly, and God turned it around. Let's read this together. Ready? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. That's what happened at the cross. For our good and for God's glory, God is paternally sovereign in that he is for his people and not against his people, which leads me to the third point. He is benevolently sovereign. He's benevolent. Here we go. I know it's a little deep, but I just want you to just ponder this. God has no limitations. He has no limitations. He is unbound, and he is unrestricted. If, if he's eternal, if he's eternally sovereign. He needs, to, he needs not to make any improvement upon his goodness. But if he is, if he needs to, make, if he needs to improve upon his goodness, then everything is purposeless and happenstance. You see the, the choice? If God is... If God is not sovereign, if he, if he doesn't know the future, if he, if he is imperfect or incomplete or lonely or any of those things, then he is not God. But if he is God, by very definition, he is limitless. And here's, here's the rub, in a good way. That means his goodness is limitless. That means his love is limitless. That means his justice is limitless. Like all those things are... Somebody said this, a theologian said, God is all of his attributes, all of his characteristics in infinite magnitude. He is good infinitely. Do you see how it's like it is, it is arrogant to say to God, how dare you let my mom suffer kidney failure and a bacterial infection that resulted in her, possibly her stroke. How dare you, God? It is arrogant. Instead, my response should be to cling to what I know about God. And what do I know about him? He is eternally sovereign. He is, he is my heavenly father. He has my good and my mother's good at heart, even though I can't wrap my mind around what was, what was happening with my mom. And Job is a whole, whole book of poetry about suffering, about Job, who lost everything. And the two bookends of Job begin with chapter 1, verse 21. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then the, in the last chapter, the, 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 the end, the bookend, is verse Two of chapter 42, I know that you can do all things and that no poor purpose of yours can be what? Thwarted. And that's good news. That's good news. He is his attributes in infinite measure. He is infinitely good. You know, I, I, there are so many sermon illustrations at my expense, many of them. <laughs> like I, uh, Friday was a really bad day when I was in Florida. When my stepdad, like I said, when my stepdad came to the house, he said, the good news, they're finally going to start her on dialysis. The bad news, she had a stroke. And he started to cry. Never seen my stepfather cry. And I walked up and I hugged him. And I cried. It was a bad day. And then I uh, sat with him for a while, and then I went to the hospital. And because I couldn't enter into the ICU unit because they were preparing her for dialysis, I just prayed, just prayed, Lord, turn this around. And then the nurse got me, 
really cool nurse, another person I would love to hang out with. After she said I was a pastor, or I told her I was a pastor, praise the Lord, you know, and tells me that like, your mother's in very, very critical condition. Visited with my mom, read Isaiah 40 over her. Went out to the parking lot of the, the hospital, contemplated, Lord, what do, I, what do I do? I didn't even know how to tell my brother who really wanted to be there and just couldn't, who also suffers from epilepsy. I, I, I didn't know how to tell him. And now I was wrestling with that, Lord, what do you want me to do? Like, I, want, I, I feel like I need to be at this conference. Like, I got like, three friends. Don't, they don't know each other. You know, Brian and, and Scott, they, they met, but they don't really know each other. They all know me. I set up the Airbnb. Um, I, kind of, I feel like I need to be there. I want to be there. The theme is on, on, on the book of Hebrews, the, the title of the conference, Jesus is Greater. I need that. 2020 and 2021 has honestly been sucky. As a pastor, especially, like it's just, every pastor you talk to, like extend grace to them. Like, like you just don't. Like, no matter what you do, you're gonna you're gonna make somebody angry. You know, leading through a through a pandemic, and what do you do? What's the right way? What's the right way? What's the safe way? And somebody's gonna be angry, no matter what choice you make. And then then you have the racial stuff that's happening in our country, and then you have the you know, the political stuff. You, you know, like many passages throw up their hands in the air. It's like, okay, no matter what I say, it's gonna clear out the seats. You know, somebody's gonna leave. It's just a sucky year. So I, want, I, was, I planned to go to this conference all year. And I was texting one of my pastor friends, you know, what should I do? What do you think I should do? Silence. <laughs> like, thanks. Um, and then, and I paced back and forth. So I was pacing back and forth. Lord, what do you want me to do? Contemplating my, life's my, my mom's mortality. And then, it's never happened to me since I was a little kid. A bird pooped on my head. I, I, can, I cannot make it up. Like, a bird pooped on my head. And, and the first word that came out of my mouth was not some curse word, okay? Although it would have been easy um, in that moment. But I, 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 the first thing was, really? <laughs> and I wasn't, listen, I wasn't even standing still. I was pacing back and forth. I was a moving target. And the bird, like, bullseye. Not on my arm, not on my foot, not next to me, on my head. <laughs> so I uh, cleaned myself off, and then I laughed. It was funny, actually. I'm like, well, that's a sermon illustration. I'm sharing that. First Sunday, I'm back at Meadowbrook. I'm sharing that. Um, but then it dawned on me. Most people, their view of God is that. That's life. Just going to get pooped on. <laughs> right? I could use another word. I won't because I'll get in trouble and somebody will leave. Um, <laughs> like, like, that's life. <laughs> right? Like, God, was God in heaven? Like, oh, he's pacing back and forth. This is going to be fun. It's kind of like when I was in an apartment. I, we had these hornets now, these the soffits were filled with uh, hornets, and so they would find their way into the kitchen. And when I was, I was going to community college and I had a stack of rubber bands, I got really good at this. I would sit there and the, these hornets would fly around and I would shoot them out of the air. And it was fun. Like, in my, in my early 20s, it was fun. Um, was God up in heaven? Like, okay, he's pacing back and forth. Oh, here we go. Got him. Like, was that God? Like, I got him. No. <laughs> Uh, but we feel that way when things don't go our way. We feel like God's just like um, Bruce Almighty, you know, just burning off my feelers or whatever. Like he's got his thumb on me and he just won't let go. Is that God? No. What is he doing in my life? What was he doing in that moment? Was it? Do I, am I really holding on to his goodness? Am I really holding on to the reality that I, that he doesn't need to improve upon being good? I do. And he's got something in this for me, as disgusting as that was, because 
Like, it was gross. Um, he's doing something in my life. And, uh, and it's good. And he's doing something in my mom's life. It's good. That afternoon, Friday afternoon, prayer requests went to all the churches, Cheyenne Hills, all the churches that are in our network of churches. And I went out, I went like a hundred and some churches, went out and, uh, and, and you guys were praying and, and people around the world were praying and, and uh, who know me and, and, and the tide started to change. Like Saturday morning, my mom was responsive. She's awake, partly. Saturday, I, uh, my, my stepdad was so encouraged when he came home from visiting with her. He said, yeah, he was able to talk to her. She's confused, but she, she knows who I am. And then I, uh, I visited with my mom after he finished, and I read, I, I went in there to read uh, Psalm 121. It's called the Traveler Psalm, something that's meant a lot to me over the years, and and uh, when I walked in there, her eyes were kind of open, and, and I said, Mom, do you, know, do you know who I am? And she said, yes. And then I wanted to make sure, so I said, well, then what's my name? <laughs> I said, Keith. I was wearing a mask. I'm like, praise God. You know, my, my thinking in that moment was, well, that stroke didn't affect that part of her brain. And I, I said, Mom, I've been praying for you. I'm here. And so many people are praying for you. And then I, she fell back to sleep. I sat by her bedside for about a half hour. So I was reading the scriptures. I was, you know, just and praying. I heard my mom say, uh-oh. <laughs> like I, look, I looked up. Her eyes were completely closed. She was dreaming. She said, the rice is in the barrel. Pointless. <laughs> um, still good, though. I waited, and then I, I woke her up, and I said, Mom, I have to go. But I want to I read to you a scripture passage from Psalm 121. I read to her the whole psalm. I'll just read a few of the verses. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. And I finished reading the chapter to her and I said, Mom, I'm going to pray over you. And she said, okay. And I just prayed. I prayed that God would restore to her all that was lost, restore to her any damage that you would reverse the damage that was done to her brain from the destruction that's in her body, potentially this, 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 uh, this, this bacterial infection that's in her body, potentially in her brain, and that you will, you will make her kidneys start working again, that you would restore her kidneys. Now, if I got on the plane, oh, so I, it was a good day, Saturday. Sunday, I was supposed to get on the plane to get to go to Florida. And I get to the, on my way to the airport, I get, a t I get a message from Southwest. Your flight was canceled. And I said, so it wasn't really, it was more like, what? <laughs> and I told my stepdad, I'm like, the flight says it's canceled. And then something popped up. It said, flight rescheduled. I'm like, oh, good. I'm just going to get on another, airplane, another flight. I didn't see the date. The date said Monday, not Sunday. So I got to the airport, told my stepdad, I'll be good, I'll figure it out. And, uh, I talked to the lady at the counter, and she said, no, you're, you're not supposed to fly out until tomorrow. I'm like, well, how does that work? I need to be in Indianapolis today. And she said, well, you can't. And I said, well, how can I? Like, can we turn this around? She said, well, you can go on standby and hopefully get on, the, uh, on a flight, and I'll put you at the top of the list. What I didn't know is that that would cancel out any possibility of me getting automatically booked on the first available flight with the first available seat. What I didn't know is there's a whole huge band of storms going through Florida that cut off Punta Gorda or, or Fort Myers from the rest of Florida. And uh, what I didn't know was that they were going to ground every flight. So when I found out they grounded every flight, I was standing in line. I kid you not, I was in the airport for 
six hours. Five of those hours, I was on hold with Southwest. So I had them on speakerphone while I was trying to figure out, how do I get up to Indianapolis so I can be with the guys who are going to meet me there? Like, it's important that I'm there. And uh, so the lady said, I waited in line for like an hour because nobody was happy. I felt bad for the, those who work for every airline. And I said, I, I get it. You know, I, I know that you've, you're overwhelmed. I said, but uh, when's the next available flight I can get on? She said, Wednesday, which would mean I would, I would miss out on the conference. I'm like, oh. I'm like, God, maybe you just want me here. And uh, I asked her, well, how can we get me on a flight before Wednesday? And she said, well, well, something just popped up on Tuesday, so, but you have, to fly, you have to drive two hours to get to the next airport, um, Tampa Bay, and then you can get on the flight then. I'm like, okay, I'll take it. And I was still on hold with Southwest. Uh, I got a text message from a friend, and uh, uh, so I read the text message, and it said, my wife, who's from Puerto Rico, <laughs> said that if you get pooped on by a bird, on your head, it's a sign of, of good fortune. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that sucks. <laughs> I wanted to text back, my flight was just canceled. There's no fortune in this. Like, um, <laughs> but, but I'm like, okay, Lord, this is, this is like a long lesson on clinging to your goodness. And I had my stepfather pick me up. I, was told, I finally got off hold with Southwest, and the, and the lady said, well, what you can do, you have enough frequent flyer miles, just whatever flight you see pop up, just keep hitting refresh. Whatever pops up that looks good to you, get it. Use your frequent flyer miles and we'll reimburse you. So I, I, for two hours while at my stepdad's house, I was hitting refresh like this. <laughs> nope, no flight, no flight. For two hours I was doing it. Finally a flight out of uh, Fort Myers on, um, on Monday morning would get me there by, by Monday early afternoon. And I got, I, I got the flight and uh, was, able, was able to get to the conference. But if I got on the flight, and I've got to wrap this up before my wife, who's also a nursery, will kill me. Um, you think that she probably should have murdered me a long time ago. Uh, she probably thinks that. <laughs> um, the benefits of being married to a pastor. Uh, so if I got a phone call when I arrived in Indianapolis, and that phone call was to inform me that my mother died. Would any of the truth about who God is, about his goodness, about him being infinitely good, would that have changed at all? No. And I just, I want to encourage you. You don't know how God, you may not see how God is turning this around. You, look at the, you may look at the circumstances of your life, past, present, someday, someday down the road, and you may wonder, God, how are you? How is this working out for my good and your glory? Like, how is this? How is this playing out? Because I don't see it. I don't see how this is. How this is working out to that end. My hope for you, my encouragement to you, is just cling to God's goodness. My mom has been, you know, reduced from being in critical. She is now in guarded condition. We still don't know. We talked to her yesterday. You know what she is mindful of? I mean, she's fully alert. Still seeing things that aren't there, and, and that could be because of the infection, but you know what she's really mindful of? She's mindful that God, in his mercy, spared her life. I'm just praising God for that. And uh, she talked to all the, all the boys. She talked to Roy Ma, she, and I talked with her, and, and she, said, I'm, I'm, she said, I'm at the brink of tears. I feel so loved. I'm like, yeah, because you are. And there are a lot of people praying for you. And I said, uh, she didn't remember my visits with her, but I, I said, you know, I read to you Psalm 121. Can I read that for you? And she said, yeah, that would be great. And I read it to her. And she said, that's such a beautiful passage. And, uh, and I said, well, can I pray for you? And we'll pray together with the family. And she said, yeah, absolutely. And so I prayed, and I prayed also for my stepfather's salvation. And, and she's just involved, like she was with us in prayer. God is good. He's still good even if my mom doesn't survive. God is eternally sovereign. He is paternally sovereign, and he is benevolently sovereign. He is for you, not against you. And he is working all things out for your good and his glory. 
We see that all through Daniel, all throughout the Bible. We see it in Daniel chapter 7. We see it in Daniel chapter 12. He is for you, not against you. Amen? And if you're here and you don't know who Jesus is, and you, I would encourage you, you don't have to have the answers to your questions all answered, but the Bible does say, this you have to settle your heart on, that God sent his son, Jesus, who was born of a virgin, lived a life that you could never live, that I could never live a perfect life, in our place. He went to a cross to die a death that you deserved and that I deserved for our sins. He did that on our behalf. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. And he's coming back one day to judge the living and the dead and to make what is wrong with this world right. It's not a fairy tale. All fairy tales are a shadow of the fairy tale that is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except by me. I would encourage you to make that step. And if you, if you are a follower of Jesus, most of you, if not all of you are, um, cling to the goodness of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the truth of the gospel. Thank you, God, that you, it's just so reassuring from, from my own heart that I am the one who needs to improve upon myself, not you. And that you are good in infinite measure. And that everything I experienced with my mom, everything my mom's experiencing, every experience represented in this room is not because you have your thumb on us. It is because you are doing something that we might not understand, but you are in the business of turning something that's ugly around for your glory and for our good. And that, God, I praise you for. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.